0: Right now, there's plenty of pumping places in Australia that the media is overlooking because they they tend to focus on the big cities.
1: This is Property Investry, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum, and in this episode, we'll continue our conversation with real estate researcher, writer and businessman, Terry Ryder. Ryder is a founder and director of Hotspotting and provides people with information on the best places to invest around Australia. Keep listening to learn more about his predictions for the Australian property market. Throughout his investment career, Ryder believes in hindsight he could have made other decisions.
0: There was one in particular that I, I do wish I'd kept. Um, it was a very, it was my first house actually close to the centre of Brisbane, and it was quite a, a modest and ugly little place. And it cost, I recall, uh, about fifty thousand dollars. But it was on a great block of land. It was elevated with views looking up the Brisbane River to the Gateway Bridge. And um, and I sold it for one hundred and ten thousand, so I doubled my money. Uh, in a relatively short space of time. I thought I'd done very well, but I noticed last time I drove past it that someone had bought that, knocked it down and built a mansion on that block of land. Um, So imagine what it would be worth today.
1: One of the lessons learned by Ryder on his journey is the importance of patience and persistence in the search for a property.
0: That good object lesson um, comes from um, some years ago, buying or trying to buy a property in regional New South Wales, and for a whole host of different reasons, it, every property I tried to buy it just didn't come off. Someone bought it out from under my nose, or the the vendor changed their mind and decided not to sell after I'd done a lot of work and spent a lot of money on searches and valuations, etc. Um, and it just dragged on for months. And um, but I I persisted, and eventually I I ended up getting a good property in that location, and. Um, There's a number of lessons out of that and that is it does happen that way sometimes and you have to persist and be patient. Um, And the other lesson was that um, never-to-be-repeated bargains um, happen almost every day. So you you think the property that your first target is the only one that's going to fulfil your dreams in that location and you miss out. But um, another one that's even better will pop up if you persist. Um, One of my mentoring clients has actually been through that process just in the last uh, several months, just constant frustration of targeting properties that look great, exactly what we're looking for, and then uh, for some reason um, someone beats them to it or they do the building and pest inspection and find it's riddled with termites. Um, and it's taken him about four months. He's finally bought a property, and it's probably the best that we've looked at in that four-month process. But um, And if he'd given up, and lack patience and persistence, he wouldn't have got there.
1: It's a lesson that even someone doing it as long as Ryder needs to be reminded of at times.
0: I've just relearned that lesson today, in fact, this morning. Um, I'm looking to buy, I don't mind telling you, in Bendigo in Victoria, which I think is a market with a lot of potential right now and in the future. And um, the property that um, we were targeting has just been sort of snaffled from under our noses by another buyer. and um, I've just applied the same attitude. Um, that, that property was um, ideal for what we were looking for, but another one, as good or probably better, will will pop up um, next week, probably. I'm sure. Um, and so I'm I'm totally unfazed by that. There was a time when I would have been uh, devastated to have missed what appeared to be the perfect uh, answer to my current criteria, but uh, you yeah, know, experience um, is a very valuable thing in real estate investment.
1: Writer describes a realisation that changed the investment game for him.
0: I think the aha moment was um, understanding that it's not about buying and selling. It's not about trading real estate. I mean that, that's actually a very foolish way to go about it. Um, your selling and buying costs eat up so much of your your capital gain that you've achieved. Um, the aha moment was realising that it's about um, accumulation of good assets. Um, I think it was might have been something that I read from Warren Buffett. I mean, he's one of the smartest people um, on the planet in terms of investing. He, he invests in share market type investments, not real estate so much, but um, a lot of his philosophy applies equally to real estate. And um, I remember him saying that he applies a strategy whereby it doesn't matter if they they close the share market for the next five years, he's happy because he buys assets um, that have, Fundamentally, long-term and value. He doesn't buy them with a view to selling them. He buys them because they're good assets, and he's got, he plans to keep them you know for the duration. And um, and I think that that's very true in real estate as well. It's um, it's about accumulating good assets and keeping them.
1: In a cooling market, Ryder also emphasises the importance of adding value yourself.
0: More recently, I think the aha moment uh, at some point in the recent past was that. Um, It's no longer about um, passive investment, as um, uh, you might call it, where you you buy something that's um, rentable and has the potential for capital growth and you wait for it to grow. Uh, Increasingly, investors, including myself, are looking for something to accelerate the process. So we're looking for all of that, but also something where you can add value, whether it's through renovation, extension, building a granny flat or subdividing or redeveloping in the future, I think it's about finding property that has the zoning and the land size and the potential to do something extra with Um, and what I'm currently looking for is very much fits um, that general category of something that's immediately rentable but you can um, subdivide or build a second dwelling or perhaps redevelop with, with townhouses in the future.
1: Most importantly, be educated about your property and what you may be able to do with it
0: a lot of properties already have the zoning in place, um, already has the what's required to, to do extra with it. Um, quite often the, um, the seller doesn't, doesn't understand the potential themselves.
1: Ryder describes how his business works to find out the latest hotspots all around Australia.
0: We do have a, a report that um, I've got to update in the next week called um, How to Identify Hotspots. and uh, There are certain characteristics. Um, that we look for. In fact, um, when I was um, going back more than a dozen years when I was planning to create this business, I, I started out by doing a series of articles for Money Magazine where I, I um, just each of the series dealt with a different aspect that um, my research showed created hotspots. It might be... Um, the, the ripple effect, um, it might have been um, proximity to jobs notes. I focused on each topic um, individually in a series of articles that were published in Money Magazine. I was doing the research um, not only um, for doing uh, some money for, as a freelance writer at the time, but to create the research basis for um, the hotspotting business. And so when our research effort. we're looking for... Uh, certain characteristics and events, and probably the single most important one. If I distill it all down to one word, the word is infrastructure. And um, a good location to buy and will have good existing infrastructure, but more particularly, um, the game changer will be planned new infrastructure.
1: Here's an example of this theory in practice.
0: Now, I'm in the uh, Sunshine Coast hinterland. The Sunshine Coast is a great case study. Um, Five or six years ago, um, we included the Sunshine Coast in our no-go zones report because it was a, a poorly performing market because essentially its economy was about tourism, which is a very fickle um, and volatile industry, um, very, very prone to downturn. And so real estate didn't perform very well. Uh, Nusa hadn't shown any growth for you know most of the last 10 years, for example, despite its iconic reputation. But something fundamentally changed, and it was through infrastructure spending. There's $20 billion worth happening in the Sunshine Coast. Um, there's a medical precinct being created that wasn't there before. It's created a whole new industry for the Sunshine Coast, and it's brought a lot of new people to live there, many of them very well-paid people, and that's really given put a, a turbocharger under the property market. Um, and they're spending half a million on the airport. They're spending a billion dollars right now on the motorway. There's a new CBD being created in Maroochydore. The biggest shopping centre on the Sunshine Coast is being expanded by $400 million. All these things are happening. Uh, Ewing Insurance has set up its national headquarters on the Sunshine Coast. That wouldn't have happened five years ago. Um, So those are the sort of game-changing things that we're looking for, and it all centres around infrastructure.
1: Ryder puts growth in any market down to infrastructure spending.
0: I, mean, I believe that uh, the biggest single factor for Sydney's boom in the last five years until recently was uh, the infrastructure spend. Uh, there's tens and tens of billions of dollars being spent um, on uh, rail links and motorway upgrades and universities and hospitals, and that generates economic activity, it creates jobs, and out of that comes demand for real estate. The wealth that's created... Or help to create has made the you know, the Sydney New South Wales economy uh, fundamentally the strongest economy in Australia, and uh, that's generated a property boom. and A lot of wealth has come out of that
1: for Sydney. He explains how some increased infrastructure can snowball into more and more growth.
0: I think, I think the demand was there. Um, it's, it's the action of government that's been lagging. Um, and, so um the Sunshine Coast region was a growing region because it was you know um, in terms of lifestyle a good place to live, but um medical services were falling behind and and there was a need for um, a new hospital, so they built a two billion dollar one um, after much lobbying from local people and um and then, once that was established, um someone decided well we we're going to build a private hospital next to the the public hospital and then specialist medical Uh, buildings were built and so suddenly this precinct evolved so one thing led to another Um, but um, in the case of Sydney um, there was a huge need for the infrastructure that they had been building over the last say five years just that the previous government um, was um, just not spending anything on infrastructure, it was so um, ridden by internal division and corruption and all sorts of distracting things that um Governance wasn't happening and spending on necessary infrastructure got way behind. And more recently they've caught up and it's generated um, a strong economy. Uh, It's not the only factor, but it's been a big factor.
1: Another growth factor to look at is how proactive local councils are.
0: Similar with the Sunshine Coast, and there are other places. Um, Geelong's a great example. That that particular economy uh, just outside of Melbourne is, is, is absolutely thriving. Um, and it's, a lot of it's been generated by um, infrastructure spending. Um, a feature, I think, that's underrated and a lot of people wouldn't even think to look for, it's um, the importance of a, um, a proactive local council. A lot of the, the rising areas in terms of real estate um, have very strong proactive councils that go out there and actually encourage people to come and live encourage people to come and invest and set up businesses. The Sunshine Coast definitely has that. Geelong definitely has that. Um, you know, the, these are economies in transition. Wollongong's another one. It used to be a smokestack economy, and now it's more about um, health and education and IT services. Um, Geelong's very similar. It's evolved from the old blue-collar industries uh, to modern industries, and that's um, been facilitated by ambitious um, Local councils and also state governments, to some extent.
1: Ryder discusses the importance of being educated and proactive in your investment decisions.
0: There are um, the processes that create these things um, are quite long and involved processes. So um, it starts with an idea, and then it becomes a proposal, and then there's some research, and there'll be some debate. Um, and eventually it will happen, but it's, a, it's a quite a long, drawn-out process. So we've, um, for a certain extent, we're, we're gathering it all together and, and um, taking a punt sometimes that something will happen. I mean, a game-changer for the Rigcliffe Peninsula in the north of Brisbane was the new rail link. Um, that was promised for 50 years before they actually um, decided to do it and actually deliver it. Um, but one of the interesting things about infrastructure is there's the sort of three phases of growth. One, one is when they announce it, and then the second is when they actually start building it. And the third and biggest one is when they have finished it and people can touch it and feel it and see the benefits. So you stand the potential to, to gain the most as an investor when, if you buy when the announcement is made, but you're taking the risk that um, the political announcement will be delivered on because quite often promises aren't kept. Um, probably the safest time to invest is when they actually start building it because you're pretty sure it's going to go ahead and be finished and uh, the, the benefits will be felt. But most people, investors are essentially herd animals, so most people will wait till it's finished and then they say, oh yeah, that that's an influence, maybe it'd be good to buy there. Well, the smart people would have bought, um, say, two years earlier and would be getting the most benefit. And, and that's um, one of the... A fundamental truths in investment. Most people don't get fantastic results because they herd animals. They follow the herd, and by the time they buy, the boom's already well underway. The people who do best are the ones who, who buy ahead of the, the big upsurge, um, but they are relatively few The people who have the wisdom and the foresight and the courage to um, actually run in the opposite direction to the pack. Um, so... You know, smart people will be buying right now in Perth, but most people will wait until they read that the Perth market's rising before they even think of it.
1: Many will miss out by waiting until the herd goes in that direction.
0: The rise is inevitable, um, but most people aren't sufficiently well-researched and sufficiently independent in their thinking to act upon that. Um, I also think people are going to be amazed and surprised about Adelaide when the word finally gets out. We've been trying to convince people that Adelaide's... um, a looming hotspot for all sorts of reasons that are happening in its local economy. Um, People are very hard to convince about Adelaide. Um, My next purchase um, will be there um, because I really believe in what's happening and it's going to be very exciting but um, as I say most people are pack animals, they'll follow the herd when they read that there's a boom happening.
1: Come out after the break, we'll learn about the mistakes often made in investing.
0: One of the problems is that people use media as their research medium, which is a huge mistake.
1: write as predictions for the Australian market.
0: I'm excited about what's happening in the South Australian economy.
1: Advice he'd give to his younger self.
0: I would have said to him to get, get busier with investment um, and to understand the importance of accumulation rather than, than trading.
1: All that and much more after the break. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investor. There are many factors that affect whether or not a market will grow including what's happening in other markets around Australia.
0: Perth being going sort of slowly gradually backwards. Uh, through the period that Sydney, Melbourne have been booming, Perth's kind of been um, in retreat because, fundamentally because of its links with the resources sector and the end of the the previous resources investment boom Um, so prices are down so great opportunity to buy as long as you believe that it's not going to go down any further and I don't think it will the indicators now that actually prices are rising one of the problems is that people use media as their research medium which is a huge mistake um one of the things media does is they generalize so they'll produce one figure saying that on perth prices are down two percent in the last 12 months well if you you do it suburb by suburb as we do you know that there are um, pockets within perth that are already rising strongly particularly the top end and that's often at the beginning of a cycle most cycles start with the top end um not always but mostly and um we're actually seeing strong price growth in Adelaide and Perth in the million-dollar suburbs, but not across the board. Um, So that's an indicator that something's happening. The reduction in vacancy rates is another indicator. Quite often, rents and vacancies are a precursor to price movements. That actually happened in Sydney. Um, Prior to Sydney's getting on its growth path about 2013, there were a couple of years where rents rose a lot but prices didn't, and that was an indicator for the smart people that it was a good time to buy in Sydney. Um, So we've seen vacancies dropped in Perth to the point where they're now about 3% and falling. We're starting to see um, evidence of rental growth again, and we're seeing movement in the top end of the market. And we're also, in our um, quarterly research of demand figures, sales activity, we're seeing a big uplift in sales activity in Perth. So all of those things are telling us that Perth is, is ready to roll um, and uh, it's not going to fall any further. Uh, the, the underlying state economy has improved a lot. The resources sector is revitalising. Jobs are being created again. So, I'm pretty confident about, about Perth being a growth market moving forward. But now's the time to be looking there. Yes. And um, the mentoring client I, I mentioned earlier, who was frustrated because various attempts to purchase had been thwarted for various reasons, he's just now. Secured a property at a very good price in a good area in Perth, and um, I think it's going to be, turn out to be a very good investment for him.
1: Ryder has also mentioned Adelaide as a top hot spot for growth in coming years.
0: I do believe that real estate markets arise out of the local economies, and um, I'm excited about what's happening in the South Australian economy. Um, it's got a reputation for being a low growth state on population and income, but it's changing a lot, and. And our daily collection of information, where it just keeps coming through, you know, the the Deloitte Access Economics, the BIS Oxford Economics, those sorts of people they do their, and the Comsec State of the States report, their their quarterly reports um, are noting, for example, the, the rise in, business confidence is higher in Adelaide than anywhere else in Australia and many of these organisations are predicting South Australia to lead on economic growth in the next few years and that's coming out of um, one of the things that I don't think people understand is that Adelaide is the high-tech innovation capital of Australia. We're constantly reading in our research that major businesses, many of them are global businesses are moving their headquarters to Adelaide for that reason but it seems to be flying under the, the radar screen of Australian media and Australian investors, Technicolor. I'm sure everybody's familiar with Technicolor, the part they're playing movies. They're a a business based in France, but they're they're setting up their Australian headquarters right now in Adelaide, creating hundreds of jobs. Uh, And they're going there because they recognise this is where it's happening for high-tech innovation In Australia, Australia's new space agency has been set up in Adelaide. Uh, Elon Musk, with his battery technology, he's set up his Australian operation in Adelaide. Now there are dozens of examples like that, and it's 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 really building a momentum. You know, the world is increasingly about technological innovation, and where is it happening in Australia? It's happening in Adelaide. And um, in addition to that, you've got the the contracts for uh, building vessels for the Navy, $90 billion worth and it's starting right now. I mean, that's going to be massive for a city the size of Adelaide. For a city of any size, for Sydney it would be massive, but for Adelaide it's more so. So all of that's happening. Um, Adelaide's also a strong resource estate and it's the national leader for alternative energy development. Wind farms, solar farms, various hybrid renewable energy things. It's happening fundamentally in South Australia. So. Those are the reasons why I'm really excited about it, and I want, um, you know, um, looking in Bendigo, as I mentioned, but um, the other place I'm looking for my next purchases, uh, certain parts of the Adelaide market.
1: Ryder keeps himself responsible for his advice by revisiting his proposed hotspots every year.
0: The current edition of Money Magazine, I still write for it, um, and in the February edition, I always write the top 50. Um, property hotspots report and part of that is we review how did our, our tips for last year go and uh, so that's part of the exercise each year when we write that feature and when um, we looked at what we ticked last year we actually did very well with um, some of the locations that we, we suggested um, because you know we, we look at the factors that we know drive real estate markets um, and um, right now there's plenty of pumping places. In Australia, that the media is overlooking, because they they tend to focus on the big cities. Um, regional Australia is where it's happening at the moment. That's that's where most of the growth markets right now are. Regional Victoria is going ballistic. Regional Tasmania, parts of regional New South Wales, and increasingly, regional Queensland is starting to deliver growth markets like Mackay is leading the comeback in Central Queensland. Um, but um, you know that. The research that we do actually identifies these places, but you're not going to find about out about it in the media because all they want to write about is the downturn in Sydney.
1: So, oh, of course, because that's how they make money. Anyone talking about doom and gloom and the negative, that's what the media wants because that's how they can sell more ads. But if you well, cut well, through well, that, you come to you know stuff that you do. Gosh, <laughs>
0: there are a lot yeah, of- well, that, it does create opportunity for for businesses like yours and businesses like mine because media is just not providing what people need in that space.
1: He shares some of the resources that helped him on his journey in investment and business.
0: Um, just a, a general philosophy of um, reading as much as you can, there's, a, there's been a lot of real estate books written over the years. Um, not all of them are great um, and also some of the books to be read um, are not specifically real estate books. Um, I'm just actually looking at my bookshelf in my office here, there's one um, I found great recently. Um, called The Answer, written by Ellen and Barbara Peace, other people who wrote the original book on body language as um, they invented that concept that people might be familiar with. Um, um, very good book on, on how to... called The Answer on how to um, go ahead with your goals and objectives of life. There's another one I'm looking at called Winners and How They Succeed by Alistair Campbell, who was the speechwriter for Tony Blair when he was Prime Minister of... of Great Britain, um, those kinds of books. I-, I think developing a reading habit, reading those kinds of books, um, you know, avidly is a key to success in any sphere, but certainly in real estate, because you learn so much from any good book that you read. Um, so I guess I've had mentors, it's, it's the authors of some of those books and I've adopted some of those strategies um, to be more successful in business and in life generally.
1: Not all good advice is given directly face-to-face.
0: The best advice have come sort of indirectly from um, things that I've read, not not from um, someone who's standing in front of me talking to me. Um, you know, I mentioned Warren Buffett. Um, I quite often quote him in, in my reports on real estate because his philosophy is so relevant uh, to real estate, uh, fundamentally taking a long-term view, accumulation of good assets and keeping them, that's very much his philosophy. Um, but probably the number one philosophy from Warren Buffett is that you do the opposite to the herd. You buy when others are selling, you sell when others are buying. Um, and and that's, what I think, where real estate investors uh, get it wrong the most. As I mentioned earlier, they just follow the herd. And they read there's a boom one they pile in. Um, whereas the Warren Buffett philosophy is you're doing the opposite to what the herd's doing. Um, and I think that's fundamentally a very good... Philosophy, so that's where I think you you get the best advice by reading um, books by interesting people and successful people and understanding what they did, or the people that are writing them. The, the book winners by Alistair Campbell, he's interviewed people who are renowned in uh, business, in entertainment, in sport, all sorts of different, um, all sorts of different um, spheres of life, but they have a Um, A kind of um, commonality of philosophy that that permeates permeates all those different fields of endeavor that make them winners and hence the title of the book. So um, that's where I think you get the best advice on how to proceed.
1: If Terry Ryder could meet himself 10 years ago, he'd have this to say.
0: I would have said to him to get get busier with investment. and to understand the importance of accumulation rather than, than trading, certainly those things. Um, back your judgment. Um, I think I've um, probably a mistake I've made has been um, been very good at making other people wealthy. People have followed my advice, um, particularly on location, have, have done well. And sometimes I think I'm uh, too hesitant to follow my own advice, although it's probably more too busy. Running a business and doing other things to to put the time in. Um, so, if I went back ten years, that would be, I think, a change that I would make.
1: Uh, I love it. Hindsight, we always learn something from it, don't we? Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's never too late. Um, That's right. You know, no matter what what stage of life you you can make a beginning. But I think, and you know, best advice to people out there is to start as early as you can. Um, even in a very, very small way. Um, Just get yourself on the path. Uh, You don't have to be in a hurry. You don't have to take big risks, but start as early as you can. And uh, just uh, so by the time you get to, you know, 40 and 50, you're already well down the path. Um, And you're not, uh, a lot of people are sort of suddenly wake up one day and saying, my God, I'm going to be retiring in 10 years. I better do something. Um, You know, it's it's just so much better and easier. if If you got started, when you're in your 20s, um, even if it means you've got to um, make some sacrifices. Maybe you can't go out with your mates to the nightclubs as often as you'd like, um, but it's, it's worth making you know, a few compromises and sacrifices to get going. You'll benefit in the long run.
1: While he has no intention of stopping, is looking forward to slowing down a little in the next few years.
0: Over the next five years, I think it's... Um, being, being able to, to throttle back a little bit, um, have, have the business set up so that I don't have to be involved as much. Although, I mean, I've got no concept of, of retirement. Um, I want to be um, the Dave Attenborough of real estate re- research, I think. He's, he's out there at the age of 91, still doing what he loves as enthusiastically as he was when he was in his 30s. I intend to be the same, um, but um, I'd like to be able to have the option to, to be a little less involved um, because if I've got things up set up exactly the way I want them, um, my real estate portfolio humming along and um, allowing me to, um, to write more books and um, travel um, as often as I'd like to.
1: He believes some luck and a lot of skill and education have contributed to his success.
0: I think... Probably 75% um, skill, hard work, and um, 25% luck. Luck always plays a part, but I really think that um, there's very few people who who succeed the way they wish to succeed in life, and that's not all measured in terms of monetary gains. There's all sorts of ways of measuring success, but uh, I think luck is a relatively um, minor component of, of any successful life um I'm reading, as I've indicated, about um, success stories um, all the time and they all have elements of tragedy and hard work and reversals and believing they're never going to make it. But um, persistence and hard work is is the the common denominator of all people who've ever got to where they want to go. So luck's a component, but it's not a big one.
1: If you wish to get in contact with Terry Ryder, here's the easiest way to do so.
0: They can contact me directly by email, rider, R-Y-D-E-R, at hotspotting.com.au. Um, always um, happy to respond to people's questions and inquiries. Um, they can phone the, the hotspotting office, oh seven five four nine four two five seven five. There are also um, chat facilities on the website, Um there's, uh, there's a, a live chat thing that's um, that's uh, available during the day um, and quite often they can talk directly to me via, via that. Um, so there's all sorts of ways they can touch base. They can get on our free uh, newsletter mailing list and that's a good way to start out and get an idea of the sorts of information we send out before they actually have to spend any money um, on, on the reports that um, identify the, you know, the future hotspots. And we have an increasing uh, presence via social media, particularly on Facebook. I'm doing... um, um, Every Tuesday night, I do Hotspot of the Week, which is a live broadcast, uh, live Q&A once a month. Um, Thursdays, I do what I call my war on media misinformation. Um, So... Yeah, well that's a very broad topic um, so there's all those ways that they can sort of engage with us and um, you know, the, the Facebook thing is a great way because people you know, uh, sort of can identify with that and they can uh, key in a question or um, just follow a live broadcast and respond uh, via, via that medium.
1: I'd like to say a huge thank you to Terry Ryder for joining us on this episode of Property Invest Story. If you want to hear more about his journey, please visit our website at propertyinvestory.com.